Welcome in, everybody, to the seventh episode of the Eye of the Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Will, and today I am joined by John. Unfortunately, today, Hunter could not make it, but um, we did go on a little bit of a hiatus. I think it was two weeks without an episode. Uh, the first week we didn't post, it was really just because of a lack of news within LSU. Um, and we just didn't really want to force it. And uh, last week, we just had a lot of stuff going on and didn't really feel it. So this week, there are a couple things to go over. Uh, of course, it's not, it's not going to be the longest episode. It'll probably be the shortest episode yet. But our earlier episodes were also pretty long. By long, I mean... Um, 40 minutes plus, uh, but today we're going to be talking about um, the departures. Uh, one of them Hampton. isn't really necessarily a departure, per se. Yeah, one of them is a pretty confusing situation, but Maurice Hampton, uh, a safety who has started eight games over two seasons uh, with LSU, uh, he showed some flashes, but overall was pretty inconsistent. Uh, he's always been more of a baseball player first with football second. And he in December, he decided to roll with just baseball. And his playing time has decreased there. So he decided to enter the transfer portal, making a thin position that much more thinner. Uh, and Micah Baskerville, a linebacker who has started numerous games over uh, ever since t- 2018, where he started and played some good football against Florida back then. Uh, but he uh, he's going through some academic issues. He's away from the team right now. Uh, as it is right now, it sounds like the plan is for him to come back to the team during the fall uh, after he tries to get his academics <clears throat> to a better spot. But uh, it seems like he's motivated to get back with the team. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the, you know, comments by the coaching staff during the coach's caravan that uh, came just a couple of days ago. And uh, we'll talk about a couple things we've seen from the workouts uh, from guys such as Miles Brennan and John Emery. But uh, first, I'd just like to address today – the day we're recording, uh, L- the LSU basketball team defeated the number two seeded Arkansas Razorbacks, who are the number eight team in the entire country. So LSU will take on Alabama tomorrow at noon. I do not know uh, if this podcast will be out by then. It will not. So I will go ahead yeah. and say it will not be. So hopefully they can take down the Crimson Tide. It'll be a tough battle, but... Uh, this team is just as talented as anybody. Uh, I'm so, going to go ahead and make a quick prediction. We're going to lose. All right, book it. You also said we lose to Arkansas, so. Well, hey, if I, the, look, if, I said, a thing. if I said we'd win, then we'd lose. Because Fair the enough. John curse is real. All right, so let's get straight into it. Um, what are your thoughts uh, regarding Mo Hampton leaving the program? You know, I, I I have one thought to this. 
he should have taken the money. I don't know how much money he was initially offered. I think it was like 1.8 to go to the MLB draft. It was, and he. I think he would have gone earlier in the MLB draft uh, if, you know, because uh, MLB took – an MLB team took him in the uh, – I think it was the 23rd round. Uh, so – and they, they took – he kind of fell – because of the team's knowledge that, you know, he was planning, he was already committed to LSU at the time and he was planning to enroll there. So, yeah, he could have, if he just decided to go full on baseball straight to the MLB, he probably would have made upwards of 2.1 million, which is unfortunate. But, you know, if he still has that in him, he'll make, he, he should be able to make his way to the minor leagues at some point. So, hopefully, that all works out for him. Honestly, my, my thought is I've always been skeptical of how much of an impact he'd make because he's more he, he prioritized baseball over football. I mean, he's he, his future is in baseball. Um, you know, I, I applaud him for trying to play two sports. It's a very difficult thing to do in college. And as you can see why, I mean, he fell behind in football. He fell behind in baseball. I, I hope him the best because... I mean, he, he really does deserve it. He did try to stick it out with us. Hopefully, he I can, mean, he can he turned me. down two million dollars just to come here and be a tiger. So, if, yeah, I, I get, you, if you I have, hate on that, I, I I got nothing for you. I have all the respect for him for that. That's I I mean I I'm not gonna call it smart decision. I would take the money, but you know. I hope it works out for him in the end because, you know, I do applaud him for at least trying to make it work. Um, certainly, you know, you hate to see someone transfer, but again, I have nothing but respect for him. In terms of um, the safety room now, um, is it was already pretty thin, but now it's gotten way thinner. And, you know... You have to think that we might actually take a transfer there. I think they've been leaning towards taking a transfer at that position. It might change with what's going on with Micah Baskerville, but you never know. Well, it remains to be seen where that last spot will go, if it will go anywhere. But, you know, we certainly need to use it on linebackers or safeties, I feel. Yeah, uh... It should definitely be interesting what goes on in that safety room with, you know, I know Durante Jones uh, and Corey Raymond more coaching up that group. Uh, while in previous years, it was just Bill, Bill Bush, who they eventually moved on from after last season. Um, regarding Mo Hampton, uh, you know, he was a true freshman. Uh, and I think Grant Delpit, you know, after that Ole Miss game, people they finally realized, okay, he's too hurt to go out there and play. Uh, so Hampton started against Arkansas, and uh, I think it was his first, first or second. I, I yeah, I think it was his first career start, and he was the SEC Freshman of the Week. Uh, so yeah, and <clears throat> you know he made a couple plays, uh, most notably in that Oklahoma game. I think the biggest play he made was early in the game, setting the tone where he uh, laid a big hit on the Oklahoma quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So I I definitely had high hopes for him. Uh, it was a rough 
sophomore season for him. Uh, 2020 just seemed to be a rough year for him overall. He started all five games he played in last year, but, you know, struggled with injuries. Uh, and eventually that um, it caused him to be behind in baseball, like you said, uh, and he fell out of the rotation there. So that just shows you, you know, how talented of a player you have to be to go play baseball and football. And he he's definitely very talented. I mean, uh, his senior year in Tennessee in 2018, he was the state's Mr. Football and Mr. Baseball. Uh, so definitely an impressive athlete, but, you know, had a rough year last year. When Even when he was on the field, I think a lot of that blame can go to coaching. But, you know, the safety room, it's just a huge question mark right now. You know, you have Todd Harris who showed some flashes. Uh, but has been inconsistent, has gone through a lot of injuries. Um, you have Cameron Lewis, who a lot of people expected to play a lot in 2020, and he really barely played. You know, you have Jordan Tolls, who I think he was a top 100 prospect coming out of Maryland. Uh, but, you know, he could be more of a linebacker safety hybrid type. Uh, coming out of high school, I just want to say I was very high on Jordan Tolls, like many others. I think 247 Sports uh, was comparing him to Derwin James. Uh, he had, you know, he played uh, during the middle of the season last year, and people will most notably uh, call him out for that, giving up that 88-yard touchdown pass uh, against Auburn late in that game. But, you know, he definitely has a lot of talent. Uh, and obviously – we have one of, if not the best, true freshman safety class in the country with four-star Matthew Langlois, who I think is a pure deep safety. Uh, so I don't know if he'll get too much playing time this season. You have, of course, the uh, cream of the crop of this entire class uh, in Sage Ryan, who is a five-star from right here in Louisiana, but he won't be enrolling until – later in the year, so how much can you really expect him to play at safety? Um, being a true freshman and enrolling at a later time. Uh, and then there's Derek Davis Jr., who I think will start at safety. I, I think I feel pretty confident saying that right now uh, because I don't think I've heard maybe Miles Brennan or someone like that, uh, but – I don't think I've heard the coaches rave about anybody else more than the true freshman, Derek Davis Jr., who has been super impressive uh, thus far and should be able to just continue his case uh, during spring practice, which uh, the first spring practice is coming up very soon. March 16th, the day we're recording this, is uh, March 13th. So that's it's going to be a really fun time. Yes, it will. Um, interesting thing about Davis. So I was watching Off the Bench. I think it was like Friday. I don't know when the episode came out. But T-Bob and Jacob Pasco were at the um, coach's caravan, and they were talking to Coach O. They said that one guy, Coach O, brought up. They didn't even ask him about this guy. Coach O kept bringing up Derek Davis Jr. It, it sounds like Derek Davis is going to be a starter this year. And I don't think it should be surprising. The kid is very talented. Um, honestly, 
I, I, I've, I've been calling it since I think he committed that I think he'd start this year, especially with how bad our safety room was this year. And especially the fact that, you know, Sage was likely going to play um, more nickel than anything else. Um, I think, yeah, it it gets a bit hairy after Derek Davis Jr. It gets a bit hairy even with Derek Davis Jr. because he's just a freshman. Same thing with Sage Ryan. Same thing with Matthew Lingua. Um, you know, Todd Harris seems like, you know, he he's he's shown flashes of what he can be, but like you said, he's inconsistent. I don't even know what we have with Cam Lewis because I feel like the only time I've seen him on the field is when we were getting torched by Alabama back in 2019, and you know, it's just a thin room overall. Am I am I forgetting anyone or is that all? No, because we lost Jacoby, we lost Maurice. I mean, if you want if you want to count Jordan Tolles, I don't know. Oh yeah, Jordan Tolles. Uh, yeah, no. Um, actually, I'm. I I think Tolles could actually have a really good year this year. Might not necessarily be at the safety position. It it it. But here's the thing: is with Tolles, it looks like when he was just out on the field, it looks like he was just thrown into the fire, and he wasn't exactly sure what he was supposed to do. I think he's a very talented player, and I think with this year's coaching staff, I think if he does ultimately stick at safety. He will have a way better year, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's competing for a starting job in that safety room. Yeah, I think Tolls is a guy who's, you know, he's really athletic, but I think he would be better uh, closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, like how Jacoby Stevens was used. Uh, but regarding Davis, you know, he is just a freak athlete. You know, he was a really good running back in, in high school. He probably could have played at a Power 5 school at the running back position. Uh, so that just shows you how talented of an athlete he really is. Yeah, he's a very talented athlete. Um, I, Like I said, I've, uh, I've called him the, um what, Isaiah Simmons of this class. I mean, I'm sticking with that. He's a great hybrid defensive player. can line up at safety. Could probably line up a corner, linebacker, can can do a lot of stuff on the defensive end. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Micah Baskerville. So, for those of you who don't know, Baskerville is currently not with the team. He uploaded a video of him and um, current graduate transfer, Mike Jones Jr., who's also not with the team yet. Dude, I think, I think he's supposed to gra- – he hasn't graduated from Clemson yet. He's going to graduate soon. I'd imagine that when he graduates, he can join the team. But he put him and Mike Jones Jr. have been working out in Louisiana. I think at Ryan Clark's facility. So I think Baskerville's sticking with the team. It's just, from what it sounds like, his academics are just in a bad spot right now. And, you know, it remains to be seen what happens. I think best case scenario is he rejoins the team over the summer. And going into the fall, I think worst case scenario is we end up losing a linebacker into a in, from a linebacker room that you know. I mean, I wouldn't classify it as thin with Baskerville included, but without Baskerville, it's it's. I again, I won't call it like really thin. It's not as thin as the safety room, but you'd like to have a bit more depth there. I feel like, um, 
you know, it, and I think it also really depends with how Anton Sampa comes along this year, how um, Josh White comes along this year, how Damone Clark and Buck Strong come along this offseason. And it also depends how good of a player Greg Penn is coming to campus. Uh, I, I, coming out of high school, um, I was, you know, whenever somebody asked me about the 2020 recruiting class, the two names I would always bring up aside from, you know, the five stars, um, would be Jordan Tolls and Josh White. Uh, I was all over Josh White just because, you know, he really didn't have, uh, he had all, he had everything he wanted, uh, coming out of high school, you know. He's rangy. Uh, he can fly around the field sideline to sideline and, you know, had all the production in the world at a high level in Texas. Uh, so, yeah, look out for, you know, Josh White to make an impact. I think the question mark with him coming in was, you know, is he too small to, to play linebacker at this level right now? Uh, so I think they can if they can fix that up, you know, it matters, like you said, how Clark can come along as a pass cover linebacker. But, you know, White's going to be pushing these veterans. He most certainly will. Um, Yeah, no, he's very talented. Just got to hope that, you know, with better coaching and getting his weight in line, he can get on the field this year. Anyway, moving on to – hold on. All right, so um, recently the coaching staff, um, they did their coaches caravan talk. Uh, what is that exactly, actually? Do they just gotta, like get together with like a whole bunch of high school coaches, or what is that? I'm not exactly um, sure what that is. Or is it just I with th- reporters? I think it's just the LSU coaches go to a event, uh, and it's like a whole a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's a lot of reporters, like you said, uh, and I think. You know, the coaches just go around and the reporters ask them questions. I, I could be uh, totally off, but that's that was my interpretation of it. Yeah, there's a few interesting um, comments made there, and there's been a few interesting comments made, you know, I think by Ed Orgeron about the coaching staff um, this, this offseason. I think one thing I'm going to start out with is, you know, it's always funny because you evaluate the coaches when they're first hired. And then now it's kind of the part where you start evaluating them a little bit down the line when spring practice is about to start and when they're doing a whole bunch of other things. And I think I found it interesting in that um, it sounds like Jake Pete and Durante Jones are, you know, tell- telling that telling like Jake Peach is telling the offense that the defense isn't worth a isn't worth a poop and Durante Jones is kind of saying that the offense is a poop to the defense they're talking a lot of trash and you know I like to see that from the coaching staff you know the, it, it just seems like this coaching staff is very hungry but not only are they very hungry they're very personable, and they're trying to relate to these kids more than ever. I mean, they, they really, 
and everything I've seen, I um watched um or listened to the um I it was some podcast by Cody Warsham. It was with um Jake Peets and you know, I still love how Peets just emphasizes the relationship part of things. And that that's such a big thing. Um overall, I, I think, you know, the more I hear about Jake Peets, the more I get excited about him. I think he made this comment, according to T-Bob and Jordy at the Coach's Caravan, that said, um, our dream is their nightmare. And, you know, that's just, that's something that sticks with you. Because, you now that's, like, something that I feel like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't want to make this comparison, but I'm going to make it. You know, I'm not sure that's something Joe Brady would ever say out to the public, but it's definitely something I think he emphasized to our players. It looks like every single time the 2019 team got on the field, especially the offense, they wanted to just obliterate the defense and make the defense feel like they were worthless. And, you know, it sounds like Jake Peach is, you know, bringing in that same mentality on the offensive side of the ball, and you love to see it. What were your thoughts about the coach's caravan, Will? You know, I think in 2019, uh, we exuberated, you know, just it feels like, you know, the latter half of the year. Uh, I've never seen such confidence uh, out, of a, of, out of a team. It was just ridiculous. They, they went out there knowing nobody in the world could stop them. And it seems like Jake, Jake Peets is bringing that same mentality back uh, to LSU, and I uh, couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, another thing about Peets, um, you know, when I listen to him talk, uh, every time I watch an interview of his, uh, I just can't help to think, you know, this guy is going to be a great head coach one day. You know, it's whether, you know, I think I think it'll be a good play caller too, but I just think he has a head coach's mentality. Um, And, you know, that's a guy – you know, <clears throat> Steve Ensminger, I've said this before, you know, really really good play caller, you know, but <clears throat> you're not going to LSU because you're so excited to play for Coach Steve Ensminger. Uh, but I think you can see, like, these quarterback recruits, uh, you know, really or these receivers, you know, telling themselves, you know what? I really want to go play for Jake Peets, and, you know, I can relate to that. I would really, you know, want to play for that guy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very – every time I listen to Jake Peets, I'm just more – I just come away more impressed every time. And <clears throat> another guy um, I was very impressed with uh, during the coach's caravan was actually the general manager – uh, Austin Thomas, um, you know, he just went into a lot of depth about, you know, he seems like a very intelligent coach or um, football manager, I guess. Uh, and, you know, I think people will, you know, they've been going after, you know, the management of our roster the past couple of years. Uh, and I think Austin Thomas is really going to help out with that. I think he's a really smart mind to, just to have on your staff. So, yeah, I came away really impressed uh, with him. And another guy 
that I've been really impressed with that, um, you know, has surprised me uh, is Durante Jones. You know, he, I think it's the same thing uh, with Coach Pete's. Um, you know, I feel like he exuberates great confidence in his guys as well. And if you go all the way back to when he was last a defensive coordinator back at uh, Bowie State uh, when they were the best defense at, in Division Two, you know, that defense, you know, they had that, that chain that they wore. Uh, the, even the coaches were, were wearing them. Uh, so I think he also exuberates just great confidence. And I think this defense – is going to have, you know, last year I feel like the defense was playing. I feel like they were always on their heels, you know, <clears throat> just kind of in their head like, oh, I hope, a, I hope a big play doesn't happen right now. Uh, but I feel like this defense is just going to take it in their own hands uh, and they're going to play with a lot of confidence uh, in themselves, unlike last year's defense. Uh, so, yeah, the, my two uh, most impressive – People that I listened to outside of Coach Pete's uh, was Durante Jones and Austin Thomas. You know, I, I'm going back to Pete's here. I, 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 I am legitimately like, I think Pete's is one of. I, I'm gonna be really disappointed. I, I, I'll say this. I don't think this is gonna happen, but I'm gonna be really disappointed if Pete does not live up to my expectations. I don't think I'm saying too high expectations for him. But he just, there. I, I listen to him talk, and I'm, I think to myself, there's no way this guy, this is his first opportunity as a big-time offensive coordinator. There, there's no way. He, he should be an NFL offensive coordinator, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I love wh- how what he said um, for some things as well. I know I've said this before, but he met with the offensive line, and, you know, he he wanted to know what's the best way to teach them and how they learn. And that's just, like, that's, you know, for me, I love teachers who don't go with one set teaching style. I love teachers who adapt to, like, what you need and stuff. And, you know, I'd imagine players are probably the same thing with coaches. And for him to do that, for him to see, say that, hey, look, I want to know how you learn. I want to know what's the best way to teach you. I love how he's establishing this relationship with all these players. I also um I also love the, you know, philosophy. I've said this before. I love the philosophy of uh, playing your best five players. And, you know, don't fit square pegs and round holes. You know, I love... Trying to make a scheme out of what your players can do well and your best players and not like At least he's not trying to pull Les Miles and do just do eye formation And just force it up the middle at least he's trying to take you know his players his wide receivers and make them work and make them you know put them in the best position to win I also love, one thing I also love about Pete's, and I, I know I'm going on and on about Pete's. Um, this is something that came from um, the Cody Warshamp podcast. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey was really big on this guy. Same with um, Derek Carr. He apparently stays in contact with a few of his former players, including Christian McCaffrey and Derek Carr. And, you, you know, you love to see that. 
you love to see how you know he's had such an impact on some NFL guys to but to the point that they still stay in contact with him. And one last thing on Pete is um Pete said at the coaches care phone, we want to make this quarterback university now. Joe Burrow set this bar very high. We wanted to continue to meet that standard and move it up. I, I just found that very impressive. Um I think another one who has honestly impressed me a lot and you know, I've been high on this guy ever since he was at LSU in 2019, but DJ Mangus. You know, Mangus, you know, he doesn't really, you know, it's so hard to live up to what Pete does, but, you know, I really, you know, it's not even just about the coach's caravan. It's just, it's just, I think DJ is a very good coach, and I think he's very under, he was very underappreciated for that 2019 coaching squad, and I feel like he's very underappreciated here. I just think, you know, he's overall a very good coach, and, you know, I'm happy to have him back here. Um, Like you said, also, I've, I've remained impressed with Durante Jones, and, you know, mainly because Durante Jones is, again, the player's first scheme second, but also just... He's got that competitive edge, and he's confident. Him and Pete are both very confident. Um, I'm trying to think of one more guy I want to you know, just talk about here. But I think that's it. I think I've hit on all of it. Um, Overall, I really like this coaching staff this year, and I really like the direction we're also going with. I feel like recruiting and other types of assistance. It seems like we're trying to build a coaching staff that's more NFL style than I think in years past. And I think that's going to, you know, pay off in the long run to have a more NFL-like coaching staff. Anyway, moving on. So, yeah, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I said I was impressed uh, with Austin Thomas, and he, he specifically uh, talked about the NFL, you know, type thing. Uh, he said that, you know, obviously the college game is going more and more like the NFL. Um, and, you know, he, he said, you know, that <clears throat> LSU is building a department, uh, you know, just an NFL recruiting department. And I think that's going to pay off big time going forward, like you said. So that's that's one of the reasons I was so impressed with what Thomas was saying. Anyway, so um, like you have said, spring practice is right around the corner. Um, you know, I think one thing. I think you know, I'm gonna revisit this a few weeks back. A few weeks back, we we went over our depth chart predictions. Um, I initially put Max Johnson as my starting quarterback, and I've always, I've been very open in stating this on the podcast. I was really just unsure about where Miles was with his injury, right? And then this picture got leaked where, you know, I'm not even going to lie. The dude looks like he's 220, maybe 230, which, you know, maybe I I, I don't want to say he's 240, but he might be 240 in that picture. I don't know. Dude, in the pictures that have come out with Miles... I thought it was hard for him to hit 215 and 220 and stay there. 
The dude looks so jacked now. It's insane. Like, honestly, I think he's filled out his frame really well. And I'm honestly go gonna go ahead and say that I now think Miles is gonna be the starter. You know, it looks like, you know, he's re-establishing re himself as the leader of this team and the leader of this offense. And, you know, he's working really hard in workouts. He, he looks like he's moving really well in workouts, which is a good sign, considering I think, you know, he he already wasn't that mobile, but I think he'd get back to his full mobility. It looks like he's gotten back to his full mobility. And overall, he just looks really good, and I'm really impressed. Uh, what do you think about how far Miles Brennan has come, Will? You know, I, I've never really wavered from the Miles Brennan hype train. Uh, ever since, uh, you know, his three starts in the 2020 season, um, I never said that he shouldn't have been the starter. Uh, you know, I questioned it a little bit. Uh, strictly because of the just, you know, people were unsure about the extent of his injury. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it looks like he's healthy. And, you know, he's up to around 230. He's moving well. He's, you know, challenging these guys, you know, in the workouts. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's <clears> – I think he, you know, he sees the situation – you know, he's in his, what, fourth or fifth year with the program. He's like, he sees, you know, this is my shot. You know, I, I know I have two talented quarterbacks, you know, in this room beside me, but I'm going to win this job. I'm going to take this team and, you know, we're going to go, all, we're going to go all the way. Uh, I think he's really approaching this season with that mentality. You know, I think he's just starting to see, that, you know, he's grateful for this opportunity that he can finally be here. You know, he's gone through so much in his time here at LSU. Uh, of course, started – I think he started a game in 2017. I uh, was in a quarterback battle with Danny Etling that he uh, – eventually Etling uh, would hold on to the job. And going into 2018, uh, it looked like he was going to be the starter and then – uh, we go recruit this guy named Joe Burrow from Ohio. Oh, uh, yeah, this guy. You know, I don't even remember him, to be honest. I don't think he really did anything meaningful here. Yeah, I don't know why uh, he started for two years. really made no sense, but he was here. Um, and then Brennan finally gets his chance. Uh, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the entire country uh, through the first couple games. Uh, gets hurt. You know, guts do. You know, he got hurt, I believe. You know, half around halfway through that Missouri game, and he just had a, an amazing second half uh, with an injury. And you know, we came up, of course, one yard short in that ball game. I would like to blame <clears throat> Scott Linehan for that, but I think. That he, I think mean, it just everything seems like he's he's gonna be the starter, from what everybody's been saying. From you know, I feel like there's you know the LSU football accounts are just posting so much Miles Brennan, you know, with Max and TJ just on the side. So I think I think Miles Brennan's really, you know, he's I think he's 
gonna hold on to the job. I, I feel I've never really wavered on that, but I feel as confident as ever saying that. I wavered on it due to injury mainly. I think you know, part of it was Max Johnson's performance, but even then, I knew Miles was better fully healthy. I think the major issue for me was I just didn't know where he was going to be after injury. Another player we've referenced and we've talked about um, with injury on this podcast is John Emery Jr. Um, I don't know if Will saw this. Um, So, LSU football likes to post, like, highlights on their stories and on one of these highlights I saw John Emery running around the dude looked fully healthy which I think is a very encouraging sign um Will in your opinion with a fully healthy John Emery in the mix who starts at running back for you I think it's you know a similar thing to Miles Brennan where uh Emery not just his time at LSU but he's battle of diversity throughout his life. Uh, you know, for most of it, he's as a running back where it's so important to have good vision. He's been, you know, unable to see out of one eye, which, you know, he got LASIK, I believe, after his freshman season. Um, And, you know, he's had a couple injuries throughout. Um, I really hope he can stay healthy because as a peer, you know, running back, um, I have, I can say confidently that I think he's the most talented running back, you know, on this team. Uh, Davis Price has definitely been more consistent in his two seasons. So I would still say Davis Price is my early front runner uh, to be the starter week one uh, with him getting around 55% of the snaps, Emory getting 40 to 45 uh, so I think there's still going to be a split there. Uh, but I do think as far as ceilings go, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that John Emery has the highest uh, – John Emery in this offense is the highest ceiling we can have. So, You know what's crazy about John Emery only being able to see out of one eye? Is I think he had – the best vision I've ever seen out of a running back coming out of high school. And he was playing with one eye. Overall, you know, with, um, I think I agree with Will here. I don't think it really necessarily matters who starts. I think, you know, we're going to rotate in a lot of running backs, you know, and I think they're all going to have mostly equal snaps. I think, I think Tyron will probably start some games. I think it might, it might just depend who we're playing or, Who's the hot hand? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a set start. I feel like it could be a case where one starts to one game and one starts the other. I'm really excited for this running back room this year, though. I feel like, you know, it's finally time, you know, John and Tyron are juniors, and, you know, hopefully they finally, you know, they've shown flashes. Hopefully they finally put it together, have a great offseason. And it's really encouraging to see John healthy, to have a to have that full really good off season but you know hopefully they both you know put in the work have a really good off season and both ball out this year for us um what about you will um I mean, you know i think that john i mean i think emory and ty davis price i think they both were around the 
4.5 yards per carry, which it's not great by any means, but it's not terrible. Um, Both also battled through some injuries. Like, it seems like seems like the whole damn team was going through injuries last year uh, or some other thing. 2020 was just not friendly. But, you know, I think these two, even in a year where they struggled through a lot of injuries, and the bigger thing for me was, you know, the O-line was inconsistent at best. Uh, they still found a way to be somewhat productive and have decent seasons uh, when they were on the field. Emery, you know, remember, Emery had a couple games. I think it was two games. Um, one of them being the Vanderbilt game where you just saw, I think Emery at, at his best, like I said, is, def, is better than any other running back on this roster. But I think from a down-to-down basis right now, I'd go Ty Davis Price. You know, I think right now, you know, if we're in a close game and we have, you know, we're trying to go with one running back so we don't have to, you know, rotate guys. And I think it's Davis Price in that situation. I think he's just been more, a little bit more reliable during his two years. Um, But I think... For this one, this, uh, you know, everyone, co- Coach Ed Orgeron says, you know, they want to go back to the 2019 offense. Uh, and I think that offense was definitely uh, most effective, you know, in big games when they were just going with one running back because they played so much up-tempo, you know, hurry to the line and just, and, you know, Clyde was – just a jack-of-all-trades running back, and he made that so easy. And I think this offense would be better off. I know we have a lot of talent back there, but I do think this offense would be better off if someone broke out from the pack, uh, you know, maybe in the receiving game. Uh, as Pete's talked about, you know, obviously he's pretty good with receiving backs, if you haven't heard, uh, and – you know, and pass blocking. Uh, whoever can come out in those two areas, I think, uh, will be the lead back this year. And I think it would be better off if we had, like, a, you know, a bell cow back there, like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I just think the offense could be more efficient that way. Uh, too bad players like Clyde, you know, don't grow on trees. But, you know, these guys have all the talent to do something like that. Hey, Clyde was only a three star, and last time I checked, three stars grow on trees. Um, going stars to the, don't matter, bro. Yeah, that is true. You know stars don't matter. Um, you know, going back, you know, you said that 2019, you know, we had a bell cow back, we had a single running back, and that was good for us, and that we, you hope someone else breaks out. You know, honestly, I've honestly kind of wondered how it would be, how would it, how it would have been in 2019 had we had two stud guys. Because now, as good as Clyde was, it was very, very kind of scary when he had to go out or when he had to get like just get a break, and we were sending in like Tyron Davis, Price, John Emery. You know, I'd honestly, 
I think, you know, this year we have the talent. I would not be surprised to see, you know, running backs rotated in and some drives. I know we want to go up-tempo all the time, but we also sometimes want to slow it down and see what the defense is doing. I think overall, you know, I just hope Kevin Falk doesn't mismanage the running back rotation as bad as he did last year. But, you know... I'm really excited for this running back room, like I said. I think it's a lot of talented guys. And, you know, I think this year, they, it, all their hard work's finally going to pay off. Um, I want to talk about something that I actually didn't even put on the script. And I'm sorry for this. I meant to put it on the script. I forgot to put it on the script. Um, I want to, want to know your opinion. I'm not sure if you know too much about this. but um, So, on Wednesday of last week... Like, I think it was March um, 10th. LSU football ended up going into Tiger Stadium and playing baseball. And, you know, I thought that was an interesting change of events. I thought, you know, that's interesting. You don't see a football team do that every day. But it it actually it's, it's part of the coaches, coaching staff's initiative to try and, I think, um, get the players to be, like, to have more of a bond than they did last year. I think um, I think that was a big thing in 2019 where everyone was, you know, playing for each other and they didn't, you know, you play and you fight for your teammates. And if you're messing up, you're disappointing your teammates and you feel like you're letting your teammates down, right? I feel like we didn't see a lot, a lot of that last year. There was no accountability whatsoever. You know, it looked like just, especially on defense, I've said this time and time again, it didn't look like a team out there. It looked like a group of 11 guys trying to do a whole bunch of things at once and not trusting each other to get the job done. Lots of finger-pointing last yeah, year. And lots of finger-pointing as well. You know, apparently the coaching staff has been doing something where they, like, for workouts, they pair, like, offensive line and defensive line together. They pair wide receiver and... Um, defensive back together in one of these workouts actually it was like I don't know what they were doing exactly they were like kind of doing like simulated like routes or something or like simulated plays just without a ball because it's football school and football school is essentially practicing without a ball um I know we've talked a lot about Derek Davis Jr. apparently Derek Davis Jr. lined up against one of the best wide receivers on our team and just shut him down Talking more about Derek Davis Jr. I mean, this is a guy who's pretty impressive. But going back to, you know, matching quarterbacks with, I guess, defensive backs and wide receiver, or I don't know, quarterbacks with whoever, running backs with linebackers, wide receivers with defensive backs. I'd imagine they're also matching quarterbacks with defensive backs. And offensive line and defensive line. It's just having them spend time together, having them work out. Because I think they're trying to establish that bond and kind of that mentality that, you know, they don't want to mess up because if they mess up, that means they're letting their teammates down. And I just kind of love, I, I love that approach this year, you know. Like I said, it looks like sometimes we did not look like a team last year. And I love how Coach O, you know, saw that, you know, and he's trying to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen again. That's one thing I've always, just off topic real quick. That's the one thing I've always liked about Coach Show, is that if he makes a mistake, 
he learns from his mistake, and he makes sure to not do it again. But I wanted to get your opinion, Will, on you know what the coaching staff is doing this year in terms of trying to build a bond with the, with each other, like trying to get the team, like trying to get the players to bond with each other. Yeah, I think um, in all levels of football, uh, a close linked team. Uh, is just an underrated aspect of winning of winning football. Uh, you know, in 2020, uh, like we mentioned, uh, there was a lot of finger pointing. You know, it looked like players were just out there uh, to boost themselves up. Um, I only came out of that season with a handful of guys that I think were really, you know, playing for the name, uh, for the school, and for the players with them and I think one of those guys uh was Jacoby Stevens who I hope you know ends up getting a chance uh to do something in the NFL cuz he has a lot of talent. I think he was just poorly utilized uh, in his senior season, but uh back on topic, um you know, I watched a couple of those videos uh of the team playing baseball and you know, it seems like those players were just having a blast. And I think definitely these guys are approaching it. Uh, these coaches are approaching are approaching uh, this period, you know, before spring practice the right way, uh, getting this team closer together and back to fighting for the school and, you know, the guys to the right of them. Um, you know, Ed Orgeron kept saying, you know, 2019 team was, you know, I think Jacob Hester said this as well, and it's the 2019 team is the most close, is the closest, like the most close linked team with each other um, that he's ever seen. And that's, you know, a big reason why they went 15 and 0. You know, everybody from Steve Ensminger uh, and Joe Brady to, um, you know, Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson. Everybody, everybody on that team was just in sync. It seemed like, you know, aside from maybe a couple games where the defense struggled, but you know that team was just so in sync. And you have to have, you know, a good relationship with some of those guys to uh, be able to do that. And I think Pete's and Jones have definitely made a big deal out of the relationships part of the game, which is obviously different from Bo Pelini. Another thing about Jones that we were talking about earlier is that, you know, everybody that has been coached by Durante Jones, um, you know, even guys like Mike Zimmer, I've just called him, you know, a great teacher. Uh, You know, a big reason why Zimmer brought him in was because they had a couple of rookie corners starting and they brought them in to, you know, teach those guys and those guys towards the end of the year really stepped up. Um, and, you know, Jones, like Pete's uh, has mentioned, um, you know, players over scheme adapting to, uh, you know, what kind of player, what kind of personality this player has and how to teach them. And well, you know, Bo Pelini was, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, in 2021, 
that's just not going to work as well with everything going on in just the modern era of players. Um, so, yeah, I think what Pete's and or what Coach O are doing, um, what Durante is doing, I think it's all, you know, really going to benefit um, come football season. Yeah, I think it will too. I really love what this coaching staff is doing this year. I think they're, you know, going go approaching the season with the right mentality and the right goals. Um anyway, I think that'll wrap it up for episode seven of I of the podcast. You want any you want to add anything else, Will? Uh I said earlier in the pod that this would be a shorter episode and while it's shorter and some of our other episodes still went longer than I expected, but you know that's always fun. I love doing this. So, um, another one in the books. Uh, hopefully, we can see you next week. Yeah, I think I think you said this was going to be one of our shorter episodes. I think this actually ended up being one of our longer episodes. Um, I don't know, man. We have some long episodes. We've had some really long episodes. I'll agree with this, but. It is it's longer than I think either of us thought. Yeah, we both enjoy doing this, like like we've said before. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of tough trying to run a podcast with, you know, school. But it is what it is. Um, if you guys enjoy the podcast, share it with some of your friends. Go follow our socials. I have the podcast on Instagram and Twitter for updates. We got to start posting on those more often. Um, and, yeah, so hopefully we will see you guys next week. But if we don't, we will see you guys when we see you guys. Good night.